A series of unexplained explosions in the Adirondacks, near Lord Doom's summer castle. A number of giant robots have been seen in the skies nearby. Castle staff described them as being, quote, nowhere near as elegantly constructed as Doombots. An unrelated set of giant robots, identified as sleepers, has come under attack from NATO forces in Bavaria. Meanwhile, Stark Industries is again under investigation after a device that Tony Stark called an innovation intensifier, has caused a monster to rampage through a hospital and a power station. And in entertainment news, the gears have appeared on the first episode of the new American variety show, TV Turntable. It has been reported to be, quote, like shindig and hullabaloo rolled into one. This is Doombot CM95 for the VOL. Zero, one, five. This is, the voice of Latvia. Zero, one, five. Here in Latveria, we get news from all over the world. The news may be good, or bad, but we will always tell you the truth, as Lord Doom sees it. Every week on The Voice of Latveria, we examine Marvel Comics history, through the career of its greatest hero, Dr. Victor Von Doom. And now, here's your host, Douglas Walk, the man who has read every Marvel superhero comic book, and lived to tell us all about it. Thank you, Doombot BR25. My guest this week is Dugan Trodland, who's a man of many talents. He's a musician who's played drums with Grace Brown, DQE. He's a journalist, he sells comics, and he's technically a character in the Marvel Universe. Hi, welcome, Dugan. Thank you, Douglas. Background on us, we, we first knew each other because of your record label. And because of your band, uh, DQE. Mm-hmm. That's right. We had put out a record through um, the uh, God is My Copilot record label. The Making of Americans, yeah. Making, making of Americans, yes. Yeah. And uh, we were all set to potentially do another one that was going to be with Jad Fair. Yes, I think I have the order correctly that this that was the next one we were going to do, but they just weren't able to do it at that moment. So they uh, they referred us to you yeah, as sort of a sister label, if you will, um, kind of. Uh, and that's how that's how we met. Yeah. So. And boy, am I glad about it. <laughs> yes, yes. We uh, we made a real fun record with Jad with you and then a couple other records with you as well that we're yeah. very delighted with. We're still playing some of those songs today. That's great. (laughs) So good to have you here. So before we really get into it, I wanted to uh, mention that you are the first guest that we've had on the show who is technically an in Marvel Universe character. You exist in the 616 universe. And it feels very good to know that. I've recently been reminded of that, and it makes me feel like I'm a really special part of this show, probably an important part of this show. This is through the Siege Storming Asgard Heroes and Villains one-shot, which is one of a number of kind of uh, historical and biographical you know, publications that Marvel has done that, uh, that you wrote for, and you are identified actually as uh, Agent Troglin uh, within that. But can you t- tell us a little more about that and other things like that you worked on? Well, sure. Yeah. I, um, my name is Dugan and I'm often uh, known as Dum Dum Dugan online, but that is not who I am in 616 continuity. Okay. In 616 continuity, I am Agent Troglin. Different character. A lot of people get confused about that. 
So yeah, uh, <clears throat> that was one of many projects that uh, an upcoming guest of yours, uh, John Rhett Thomas, uh, spearheaded. He has written many things for Marvel books. Your listeners will find out all about that. But uh, we did collaborated for a, a long time on Marvel Spotlight, which was a monthly look at various uh, projects at Marvel. Usually they were Sometimes they were creator-based, sometimes they were sort of event-based, um, but he, he used to do the uh, monthly gig on his own, but boy, that was a lot of work, so he brought me and a few other writers on board to help. Um, the first interview that I ever did for him was a brief interview with Stan Lee, which was just fantastic. He was doing a Stanley Marvel Spotlight issue, and he just needed a little extra small piece about a reality show that Stanley was doing at the time who wants to be the next superhero or something right. like that right. and um, I don't the piece didn't even end up running uh, I think they didn't have room for that it was certainly not as the most interesting aspect of Stanley's career to fit into you know one one 32 page uh, comic that he was right. splitting with Jack Kirby uh, but I actually did interview him uh, again later so I, I did interview Stan twice and you know stan has the notorious bad memory so i was able to help him remember my name by you know saying hey like i'm dugan like dumb dumb dugan and, and he called me dumb dumb and everything so i was very uh, oh. very pleased it was great so yeah i did a lot of interviews with a lot of the uh creators we occasionally could do some some more creative work within that realm we did a pamphlet called moon knight saga where we did the history of the character moon knight where we did it in the first person. And I remember uh, I wrote a little bit about how um, he joined the West Coast Avengers and he was like, why did I join the West Coast Avengers? That, that kind of thing. Um, right. And uh, so that, that I specifically remember writing that, that part of the Moon Knight saga was like, why in the world? And uh, so then, yeah, and then we did another one that we did, which was, you know, had a, a little more of a creative aspect to it other than just, you know, asking, uh, comic book writers and artists, their, their inspiration for their stories, uh, was this uh, Storm of Asgard. That's what it was, Siege, Storm of Asgard. Yeah. Yeah, we would uh, just take the various players in the story, and as if we were the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, we would be writing about them, basically giving the, the background on the characters that were in the crossover Sort of what their background or what their status quo was leading into the event in a way that we could have a little bit more fun with. So the issue we're looking at right now is Avengers 25. And I should say that technically we're covering Avengers 24 and 25 because Doom shows up in the final panel of number 24. He's not identified. He's just the shadowy figure seen from behind. And this is something that we kind of see a lot with Dr. Doom. Like in an issue before he shows up for real, he very, very often shows up on the last page of the issue before it over and over. I don't know why that's true of him, but it real, really seems to be. And it didn't seem to be terribly necessary, um, but it was, you know, it's a great piece of intrigue. You know, it's, yeah. you know, it's when you can't end on a literal cliffhanger, you may as well have some kind of hook for, for next month. This was the first time the Avengers had been seen with him. Technically, continuity wise, it's not the first time that the Avengers had encountered Doom, but that's just because of a story that was long after this that we covered a couple months ago on the show, which was Avengers number 1.5, number one and a half, which is... Uh, Love that comic. Love it's that comic. A <laughs> wonderful little comic. But yeah. of course, 
none of the characters from that version of the Avengers were in the team anymore by this point. At this point, oh, it is right, Cap's right, right. kooky quartet. <laughs> yes, so yes. It's them meeting Doctor Doom for the first time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I do love the kooky quartet era. Um, this was, to me, on the heels of previous two issues, 23 and 24, were maybe the strongest of the kooky quartet era because it, it had a it was a Kang two-parter right and uh it just had a lot of um intriguing amount of nuance um in what Kang was trying to do and how uh his bride Ravana was uh was in it so it was a it was a real strong little period of the, and right towards the end of the cookie quartet era because it's also right before Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne came back and this is this is also Don Heck, like right in the middle of his reasonably long run uh, drawing Avengers. And Don Heck is he and Ditko and Kirby all came to Marvel at almost exactly the same time around 1958, like within a week of each other's uh, when Lee sort of uh, brought them brought them all in. Mm-hmm. He had a story in almost every issue of Tales to Astonish, Tales of Suspense, Strange Tales, Journey into Mystery, like Ditko, like Kirby. But people don't really talk about him in the sort of terms of veneration that you hear for uh, Ditko and Kirby. Right, yeah. He, I mean, he was kind of a, a journeyman. I mean, he had some, I think, some significant highs, um, but he has a lot of comics that are in the cheap bin because they... <laughs> <laughs> they aren't that great, you know? So uh, of course he was, he was, I think I mostly associate him uh, with the, uh, what they called in the seventies, the dreaded deadline doom, uh, <laughs> which I guess ties in very nicely <laughs> yeah. where, you know, they needed something done really quickly. Uh, and so he almost never had to be counted on to do his best work. He always had to be counted on to, get something done, you know, but I think right. honestly, you know, at times when he had, you know, could actually draw a comic that was supposed to be his comic to draw, yeah, they were, they were fine. They were good. I mean, I, I thought this issue was fine. There's seemed like to be a, a very, a lot of very Kirby uh, type storytelling here that, you know, the machines were nowhere near as cool, but you could tell that he was drawing machines that Kirby invented, if you will. Right. <laughs> I don't know how many issues John Romita inked him on, but I know that I was looking, I, I my preferred reading method is uh, the omnibus or the masterworks, depending on where, you know, when something came out. And, uh, and so I was looking in my omnibus and was looking back and, and I know it's at least in 23, John Romita inked him. And it's really, really nice. It's a really nice uh, rendering of, of Scarlet Witch. Cause Romita's going to do that. But uh, overall, I, I don't, think that uh don hex avengers is is i think it's good i'll put it that way i think it's good it's it's definitely not a uh you know the complete don heck avengers like you would have with you know some other artists but it, it's it's good solid stuff yeah i think his real forte was not superhero comics mm-hmm his mystery and horror stories are really nice looking. He, he uh, had earlier done some sort of secret agent adventure type things. Like you could see he could really sink his teeth into that. He uh, drew a comic in the fifties called Horrific. But uh, I think the cover of every issue of Horrific was just a close up of a screaming face, different screaming face, every issue. And- I have actually never, never heard of that. That sounds like something that that PS art books company would be 
seizing it, on. It kind of is. And uh -huh. like, that's what he really got into, like mm -hmm. drawing this close up moment of absolute horror. Mm -hmm. Similarly here, like there's there's a couple scenes that are really, really nicely staged. There's a scene mm -hmm. of in where we see Captain America and our point of view is behind his fireplace in his room. Like, mm -hmm. We see like the fire is in the foreground and he's in the background. Like, that's a really cool looking shot. There's you know, a panel where we see a train pulling into the station and you can tell like he spent his time rendering that train. Like yeah. that was his idea of a good time. And his figures are, you know, they're a little stiff. They're a little gawky. They're a little, like everybody looks very kind of sharp faced. Mm -hmm. uh, but you're talking about when he himself uh, which he very rarely got to do after the superhero stuff started happening. Cause like he said, he was the person who could be counted on to meet the deadline. The very last story that Don Heck ever drew for Marvel was a Thor story that was in Marvel superheroes in the early nineties. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also Bill Mantlow's last story. Interesting. And it's, it's beautiful. It's mm -hmm. a really, really gorgeous adaptation of like, you know, an actual Norse myth. And okay it's a really, really nice note for him to have gone out on. Like, mm -hmm. clearly it's something where he got to take his time, do it his way, and yeah, it's it's lovely. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to know. I didn't realize I'll have to track that down. There's an interview with him in Marvel Age uh, sometime in the early 90s where the masterworks were just starting to happen, and I think there was an early Iron Man story that uh, Marvel had lost the original art for, so they had asked him to redraw it line oh. for line in his style from 30 years earlier. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That you, and that was published any, any masterworks you're saying? Um, I, I believe so. Oh, wow. wow. And I, I don't know which version of it is the one that is around now. Or yeah. Cause it's been, re I'm sure that same story has be, been reprinted 12 times since then at least there's a few, different I, masterworks I, and omnibus and everything else i think i think there's a few other cases where something like that happened there's there's a couple of daredevil covers that i believe were again like completely redrawn for for uh, their publication the masterworks well um going that reminds me of going to our other mutual love uh of music yeah um i think that whomever did the mastering for rounder records um I, i'm I may have some of the details wrong here, but the, the what happened is interesting enough. But whoever did the mastering for the Carter family series for Rounder Records, those mm -hmm. were for those who don't know, those are recordings from the, the 20s and 30s on 78s. It would have to be, you know, to be put on CD, they needed to be, you know, a lot needed to be done to them for them to right. not sound just awful. Okay. And they could not find in some of the songs cases good enough copies. And so they actually edit the chorus from a different section of the record into another part of the record. So you're hearing the same exact chorus on, on the same, on the song, on the recording. Huh. Uh, you're not hearing this song from beginning to end as it was originally recorded. And as it played on the 78, they actually extracted the better sounding chorus for the recording on their CDs. That's amazing <laughs> and a little horrifying. Yes, yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know if it was maybe just a couple of times, but I'd heard that that, that, that happened. <laughs> so, and I, I may have learned about that from the Dust to Digital 
folks. Um, Cause they, um, uh, Lance who, uh, do you know Lance Ledbetter? I know of him. I have not talked to him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, he's probably the one that told me that cause that's a fantastic, uh, reissue type, uh, archival record label that yeah. is based here in Atlanta. And, uh, the first set they put out was the phenomenal goodbye Babylon yeah, set that is, that. you know, that, that is a, you know, first ballot hall of famer, uh, uh, box set <laughs> and anyway so and because it was released here and i and i knew him uh just so much because he he hosted a radio show and i, I would call him because he played that kind of music that 20s and 30s music which uh my wife and i who are musicians uh, adore so then he told me he was starting this record label so i actually did uh the first interview uh i think with him for anything uh oh, wow. when when goodbye babylon was first starting to come out i i did the first first bit of publicity he ever did was, was talking to me about that. And, um, and yeah, it was great to be on, on board with that. Cause boy, I was <laughs> super impressed by this barely out of college age, uh, young man putting together what he did. <laughs> wow. Swerving back to, to Dr. <laughs> Doom over here. Yes. The first we see of him is just a couple pages of Doom by himself, surrounded by Karitak musing about, uh, hating Reed Richards, which is his one of his great themes, and also wondering if he if Kang is descended from him or if he himself is Kang. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, this is like one of those uh continuity buff dream sessions here, which is like I don't think Doom or Stanley had any idea how important scenes like this were would become for people by the 80s 90s and 2000s <laughs> i also love the fact that the question of uh you know are doom and kang actually the same person was eventually answered and the answer is no yeah. no they're not <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah yeah mm. and then we get a few pages of you know the avengers being <laughs> being moody and grouchy with each other mm -hmm. uh, and uh finally we, we get a little bit of action as uh, scarlet witch and quicksilver get a message from Europe and Quicksilver can't be bothered because he's watching the Ed Sullivan show. Ed Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> and beginning her you know, long connection with televisions, Wanda waves her hand and makes the, <laughs> that's the TV true, Yes, That's <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they, they could have used that as a, as a poster for the show. Yeah. Really, you know, WandaVision 1965. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the, the letter claims that they have an aunt in Latveria. Mm -hmm. They, Clearly, Wanda and Pietro did not know a whole lot about their heritage at this point. Mm -hmm. And the heritage has become a big sticking point in a lot of things that followed this. But uh, yes, so they're like, oh, you know, we have an aunt in Latveria. Let's go to Latveria. Yeah. Interesting thing that strikes me of that is that, I mean, obviously it, it becomes the plot point. It's like, okay, they don't, the Latveria, no red flags for anybody in the Avengers that it's Latveria. Great. But that's one side of it. But to me, the even sillier side is how foolproof Dr. Doom thinks his plan is. It's like, which, which is totally predicated on the fact that no one is going to make the connection. Great. Uh, <laughs> he's the, the ruler of Latveria. Like that's not, it doesn't even occur to him that that might be a kink in his plans, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, but yes, they, they say, let's, let's, let's go to Latveria. And by the way, we're going to bring 
Clint and Steve with us. Hawkeye, the, all four Avengers are going, um, which is also very important to Doom's plan. And I don't know necessarily why they would have all gone, but they did. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's all very odd. And th there's a page from the middle of this sequence uh, where there's actually a photostat of Don Heck's pencils that has surfaced online. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's really interesting to see. His pencils are reproduced just about verbatim. I mean, they are, the finished page looks very, very much like them. Mm -hmm. He's surrounded the whole thing with very, very tiny handwritten notes about what's happening in the panels. We can't quite make them out in the photostat, but like clearly he's, he's making his own plot notes like Kirby was doing at that point. Like it's, it is in his hand. It is, it is his handwriting. So interesting. Okay. And where, where are you talking about? Um, uh, story page six, the one that, that starts with uh, Hawkeye getting angry that his aim has been thrown off. <laughs> right. You, yeah. Did a number on the, on his target there. <laughs> and in the middle of it, there's just a scene setting panel. It is just, a, just a cityscape. Yeah. And he clearly knows like Stan's just going to fill this up with text however he wants to do it. Right, right. And indeed, that's what happens. We also get to Doom for once, thinking a less than entirely positive thought about Latveria. He's thinking, Someday I must rule mankind as I now rule this remote comic <laughs> opera kingdom. Oh, yes. God. Harsh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there's a, a guy in the crowd who is, you know, thinking the blind fools, they do not realize that Doom cares nothing for them. Yeah. That looks an awful lot like Boris, Doom's faithful retainer, who's with him all the Kirby stories. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And we yep. just assumed that, you know, Boris's mustache and hairstyle have to have been a popular look in Latveria at that point. <laughs> but sure, sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And no one will suspect that, you know, suspect me if if i look like his right hand man i'm not no one's going to suspect that i'm actually anti-doom the avengers arrive in latveria via train and in their civilian identities and are immediately arrested because <laughs> because that's because. what happens in the plot <laughs> yes right i think they kind of they kind of give a nod to it like several pages later when the guest stars appear. But yeah, but they, they it's, I think it's just like even a coincidence that they mention it in that. Uh, otherwise, yes, yeah, just like throw them in jail. Yeah, they just immediately get thrown to jail. Yeah. Wanda immediately breaks them out mm -hmm. by, you know, hexing the door open and oh no, the prisoners have escaped. We get a lot of panels of Doom pulling giant levers in this issue. Yeah, <laughs> he really do. <laughs> uh, specifically, he, he pulls one that closes an enormous plastic dome over the entire country. Mm -hmm. Where does it yeah. fit? Where does it fit when it's not in the country? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. And I, I do like how uh, Pietro also says, look, a giant transparent dome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see what you're talking about, Pietro. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the, the doom is unbreakable because it has to be unbreakable for the plot. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they get surrounded by kind of 19th century Bavarian looking Latvian villagers mm -hmm. and somehow manage to get away from them and then go find doom at his castle. Whereupon we get a whole bunch of real topical jokes. We get, <laughs> right. like, we get a joke about the monsters. 
Mm-hmm. We get a joke about 77 Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, back to back. <laughs> and almost immediately after that, we get a joke about the Rolling Stones. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And the Rolling Stones were pretty new at this point. Like this, this is, I think, February 1966, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, Satisfaction would have come out. Get Off of My Cloud would have also been a big hit. Mm-hmm. And nothing after that like mm-hmm. this, the rolling stones were a band with like two american hits at this point so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah well that uh i'm trying to figure out was it was it all hawkeye all those references maybe yeah yeah i think i think it might be <laughs> yeah the hawkeye's hawkeye's hip he's with it yes that's right right of course yeah well, well one of them is off panel so we can only guess it was hawkeye they're, they have a, a TV scanner device that's scanning them. We, we're seeing a lot of surveillance devices showing up in Marvel Comics around this point. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of closed circuit video, a lot of cameras where we wouldn't have expected them. Mm-hmm. Like much more than even a couple years before. And mm-hmm. Doom, like, Doom spends a lot of time watching TV. Yeah. Everybody's well, I guess he, he must have a lot of them because he really needlessly destroys one of his monitors. Yeah. A few pages back. Right I mean, before that's, he, yeah. <laughs> that's just to prove he's a rock star. That's right. That's right. <laughs> just like, I, that's, he doesn't change the channel or turn it off. He destroys it. Yeah. They eventually like make their way to Doom and immediately start fighting after a <laughs> lookout. He's pressing that button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a great line. Yeah. <laughs> But he, he does have a lot of you know, fabulous devices. He manages to trap Cap Shield. Mm-hmm. Uh, he somehow goes hand to hand with Quicksilver. Yeah, the first time he fights him, he seems to be really able to keep up with him. Yeah, and then the other time, not really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's really he does things against Quicksilver. You just you haven't seen before because people just aren't fast enough. But Doom somehow somehow can do it although he says no matter how hard you wind my cloak i can unwind it with far (laughs) more force (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's a good threat there it's it's really like i can see this is stanley trying to figure out how to make some sense of the sequence (laughs) right yeah exactly yes (laughs) right yeah because yeah he was just confronted with the drawing said okay <laughs> especially because they're uh, well i mean he wouldn't have been dealing with the colors too but um you know the, the green versus green at least in this omnibus though they do a good job of uh contrasting their greens i don't, yeah. I don't know what it would have looked like back then but uh, i would like to point that out that in a green clad versus green clad character the uh the marvel omnibus team did a good job of of making sure that you at least saw their different colors even if you couldn't quite make sense of that cloak winding and unwinding aspect of it yeah that's true and, and even in the panel before that I and mean, that the one word balloon is pink and one is yellow that that mm-hmm. is a real Saul Brodsky kind of move uh-huh uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's right. what you do if you've got a, a blank background and you need to make it more interesting to look at right and, right and it is, it works, <laughs> you know. yeah um, yeah so th- the Avenger who actually manages to make Doom run away is Hawkeye of all people of all people, because, mm-hmm. you know, a footnote points out he's used to fighting people with armor. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his thing. Yes. So he starts melting Doom's armor mm-hmm. uh, and get a fantastic, dramatic panel of Doom having run away with his head in his hands and his arm melting off his armor. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. But let's not lose sight of the fact that, um, you know, the, in the classic Marvel footnote fashion where they reference <laughs> when something happened, they actually, <laughs> in this one, well, we're, we're supposed to be reminded basically that Hawkeye started out as an Iron Man villain, right? right. And so it was in Tales of Suspense, whatever. Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't remember. So the actual footnote just says, you'll have to take our word for it. We forgot which ish it was, says Stan. So that's, that's just everything that's the difference between Marvel and DC. <laughs> From, from then until now, basically, right. still, you know, uh, that's just in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> what makes Stan great, at the very least, you know, people have different different opinions about Stan, but you, you can't take something like that away from Stan that he that he would put that in his comic book. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So at this point, like suddenly a, a B plot comes in, mm-hmm. which is that. Uh, there's a a boy who needs to be cured by a doctor who's across the Latvian border, but he can't get mm. there because Doom has somehow sealed off the country with this plastic dome. Yeah, yeah. Cleverly set up though in the in the early pages. Yeah, yeah. Like where he, the, he says uh, he says to him, "I too have known what it is to be a cripple." Yeah, he says so. Maybe a different. They'd use a different line of dialogue today. I'm Most thinking. likely. <laughs> Most likely, but but yes, that's that's the little um little setup for this uh, for this B plot. Yeah, so he's sympathetic to the kid, but mm-hmm. you know, but he's more interested in getting his revenge, mm-hmm. revenge on the Avengers who haven't really actually done anything to him. Like no. the, the reason that he's attacking the Avengers is to annoy the Fantastic Four, right? Right. But once he's started, he has to he has to finish what he's doing. He can't yeah, he's he can't abandon him. a plan yeah. for something like that. <laughs> um, and then we cut away and we get to see what is uh, advertised on the cover as a brief guest appearance of the Fantastic Four. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we get to see Don Heck trying to draw the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. It's real hard to draw the thing. Yes, it is. And I wonder how many times he would have done it prior to this. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he would have because he didn't yeah. like. I don't think he did any of those uh, those Human Torch stories. Right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. There wouldn't really have been an opportunity for him to. I mean, yeah. Ditko much later did a Fantastic Four annual. I think in nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty, mm-hmm. and absolutely cannot draw the thing to save his life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just can't get it. Like, right. <laughs> you can tell. Not his kind of character. You can tell, even from Don Heck's version, that he's kind of lumpy and scaly. Mm-hmm. But really, like, you look at the faces of these characters and you go, mm, who, who is who are these strange actors who are filling in for the Fantastic Four? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. CGI budget on the thing wasn't as strong on this. It's, it is in his own in his own comic. They decide like they have to go rescue the Avengers who are in trouble in Latveria because they've been accused of spying because they showed up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's of course a giant sign of espionage. Um, mm-hmm. They head into their rocket. Uh, a jet site. The rocket site on Long Island. They take a jet cycle to rocket site. Right. They get into the rocket. Then they don't get flight clearance. Then they go to Washington, 
the thing knocks down the walls of wherever they're <laughs> right, yeah. going to meet somebody in Washington. And it, it is, in fact, the thing who makes the reassurance. Yeah, there's the, there's the stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's the stones, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Reed is, okay, yeah, we'll pay for that. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they were expecting them also. Like, we have a seat. We were expecting you. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is where we find out that uh, Latveria is a friendly nation to the U.S. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's new. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and that's a you know that's a to me that's a kind of nuance that's more in play these days. You know, because they people try to you know put comics in, in a real world context now, and yeah, but borders and and uh, governments are much more of a consideration now. I was, I was actually a little. A little surprised to see them acknowledging such a thing in this comic. Well, clearly Latveria is not part of the Soviet bloc. Right, right. Like Doom takes takes his marching orders from no one. That doesn't necessarily mean he would be a friendly nation. That that no, no. <laughs> uh, but you know, it is a a plot point for the Fantastic Four to not fly in and solve mm. the problem. Yeah. So. Um, Whereupon we go back to the Avengers who have heard about the, oh no, we have to get this kid to the surgeon who's on the outside of the dome thing. Yeah. And go back to Doom's castle. They're just there. They're just there. They're looking for the lever that opens the dome. Mm-hmm. And they run into Doom again. And we get another fight scene that nobody really bothered to choreograph in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there, there's a, a vibra ray, and then there's a rocket-powered harpoon. Yeah, it reminds me a little of when the Avengers number, I think it's one seventy-four, probably because Hawkeye's there. Right. Uh, where they have to, there's like only four or five Avengers left, and they go to get the rest of the Avengers away from the Collector. Right. Um, and uh, it's, I guess, it's Iron Man. Thor, Wasp, and Hawkeye, uh, I think, and uh, so yeah, Hawkeye is one of them, and and I think I think he even melts something of the collectors, but it, it reminds me of that because it's like they're they're fighting this guy that's like every time he turns around, there's some other weapon that he has at the ready, like he's he's definitely ready for his his uh, in Doom's case castle to be under siege because he's just got weapons all around at the ready, and that, that's kind of that that's kind of how that collector issue was for me with the Avengers. He was like constantly had something that they were having to deal with, you know, even though that was just like his own layer. I just, I would thought, I would think that he would use these more offensive weapons in places maybe other than where he's he might've felt safe. Yeah. Yeah. His yeah. own house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, having gone through all those, he pulls out his uh, disintegrator pistol, which I was really, really waiting for the, the duck Dodgers beat of like, well, what do you know? It disintegrated. But, uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> But in fact, it doesn't work because the power unit, which is operated by another lever, is off. Another lever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a giant lever in the floor that is the power unit? <laughs> yes, there's such so much good technology here that why, you know, yeah. with some just serious gaps in, in uh, the logistics. There's a lot of gaps in logistics here. The, the, the fight can... So, Wanda has managed to switch the on and off positions of the giant lever. Yeah, uh, yeah. Captain America reports that he's found the other lever that opens the dome, but he can't actually move it. Uh, right. So, 
<laughs> and so, <'cause, laughs> yeah, uh, w- when you see a, a uh, caption that reads "and so," <laughs> it's classic. A transition is necessary. There's right. <laughs> the, the South Park people have a storytelling rule, which is that every scene has to be bridged to the next scene with either "but" or "therefore." Uh-huh. And okay. otherwise otherwise the plot doesn't work and the comedy doesn't work. And that okay. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the, the the and so caption is really it, it sounds like a therefore, but it really is much mm. more a, like and then this other thing happened. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> uh, so we, we get another showdown between uh, our Doom and Green and our, our Quicksilver and Green, and this time Quicksilver mm-hmm. is way, way faster. Yeah. And knocks doom for a loop and actually his his eyes are kind of bound like he's got stars around him and he's got this he kind sure of like, expression on his face <laughs> it's like the other fight didn't happen it's it, it, it's quicksilver just is so much better than him and at this time around as the coup de gras hawkeye detonates his sneeze smug arrow <laughs> that's right <laughs> there's yeah. four panels left in the story how are we going to end this sneezing fit like that yeah it it reminds me of the uh old um i think it was for an allergy medicine or something uh, an an astronaut uh wally shara does that sound right could be um he 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 walks on the screen with a astronaut with his you know astronaut helmet he goes and i my apologies to if i get the name wrong to anybody who uh this offends that i'm getting his name wrong but Hi, hi, I'm Wally Shara. Can you imagine sneezing in one of these? That's what it's... <laughs> He's holding his astronaut helmet. That's, that's what I thought of when uh, <laughs> Doom sneezing in his in his own mask there. <laughs> and this again looks very much like Stan going like, oh Jesus, what's going on in this panel? Right. What is even happening in this page? How can we wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's true. The, the drawing may not have, didn't even necessarily imply that it was a sneeze thing. They just like added the, they added that to the dialogue, then it added the sneeze to the, uh, to the sound effects. Right. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. <could've> been, <laughs> I could have just been, heck may have just been intending like, okay, we're covering our exit with this, you know, yeah. you know the but, deadliest uh, film of all. And we beat him because he didn't think to hold his breath. and we uh, and we and the deadliest villain of all and we almost lost to him because we forgot he existed (laughs) and so we went to his country (laughs) (laughs) and then we have a panel that is clearly like something with a giant lever blowing up yeah yeah. which is you know doom's dialogue explains is like oh the scarlet witch hexed it and the other lever is destroyed and like if there's a giant plastic mechanism that's controlled by a lever you could build another lever doom could be (laughs) (laughs) like like, that's not the hard part (laughs) right that's exactly yes (laughs) yes so so many levers in here and i'm pretty sure the dome has never been mentioned again yeah i mean you would think that that would be a an an important part of the uh of his tech of you know, in future battles, but I don't think it was ever mentioned again either. I mean, cities that have been sealed off, like 
this is a thing around now. We we have like the the dome that's over uh, the the Inhumans city. We keep seeing them like much later, like in during Secret Empire. There's an impermeable dome over New York. Actually, you know what? Even more recently, just in the past month in X Men, there is an impermeable dome over the city of the Children of the Vault, but it's only over the city, and so somebody discovers that they can tunnel under the city. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And th- this is this is a familiar plot device. And there's a lot of world building going on in this issue, and it's a lot of world building that just doesn't make very much sense at all. <laughs> right. Right. There's one other line of dialogue that I want to point out from this issue, which is where Pietro is thinking, you know, it's unbelievable. He's the most notorious villain of modern times. Mm-hmm. Like, he's already kind of on top of the heap as like, this guy's bad, bad, bad news. He's awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we still haven't really seen him do anything that would justify that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He, he certainly, you know, has the ego to justify it, but maybe not the, uh, the record. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hashtag doom did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We, we've seen him fly a building into space. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has dabbled in a little bit of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. He has incinerated one of his underlings, but only in a later continuity implant. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no, there's no, there's nothing genocidal going on. There's nothing kind of grand scale going on. He's just a villain by reputation. I think that's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, well, I guess it, I, you know, I guess all of his bigger plans are contingent upon just defeating the Fantastic Four first. Right. You know, I guess. And then and then he would really probably really start in earnest doing the things that would make you think, yeah, he's the greatest villain, grandest villain of, of our times. Get them out of the way first. Right. <laughs> Richards, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I want to um I want you and your listeners to not miss out on uh on something else that i want to touch yes. on that it, it's it's kind of related to this because it, it actually the 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 one video that i that i've seen most recently has uh for instance the scarlet witch in it um and that is uh we're all familiar with the late rapper mf doom yep. um i think that hopefully at some point maybe he'll get his own uh episode <laughs> uh, um if only you could have had the chance to interview him for this, if, if only he hadn't been taken yeah. away from us. Mm-hmm. But um, there are videos and I think other people made them. I don't think that they, that he released these videos, but um, some of his tracks, uh, if, and if you don't know, he's uh, calls himself the villain uh, and he wears a very Dr. Doom like mask. Right. And anyway, he has some of his videos that you'll find on YouTube. Someone, edits together those uh, 60s Marvel cartoons, which are themselves just sort of animated panels from the comics. So um, there's some really wonderful uh, MF Doom videos out there where they'll, they'll even edit it as though it's Dr. Doom from the, from the pages of the comics doing the, the rapping himself. So, you know, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be animated and edited to look like Doom our beloved Silver Age Doctor Doom is doing the rapping. So uh, YouTube search some uh, MF Doom videos, and you'll find some great Silver Age comics mixed with some great 
music. Yeah, there's one, it's MF Doom featuring a uh, Ghostface Killer that uh, has a lot of Iron Man in it. Nice. And uh, that's the one that has some Scarlet Witch in it too. So um, kind of ties together nicely and it's, it's super funny and fun. Dugan Trogland, thank you so much again. Next week, Rhett Thomas, Dugan's occasional associate, joins me to discuss Fantastic Four number 57 through 60, as well as a remake and a parody of that story. Meanwhile, if you've got any questions about anything having to do with Dr. Doom, this show, or Latverian culture in general that you'd like us to answer, the address to email them to is faithfulretainerboris at voiceoflatveria.com. The Voice of Latveria podcast is made possible by the patronage of listeners like you. If you support us through patreon.com slash douglaswolk, you'll get access to our private book club and discussion board for Marvel nerds, the 616 Society. You can find out more about this podcast on our website, voiceoflatveria.com, and follow us on Twitter. This is Douglas Walk for the VOL. Douglas Walk appears by special arrangement with Universe 1218. His book, All of the Marvels, is a guided tour of 60 years and half a million pages of the Marvel comic story. All of the Marvels will be published by Penguin Press this October. Lord Doom commands you to order it. Zero, one, five. This is the voice of Latvia. Zero, one, five. Tomorrow, on I Never Knew That, we look into the strange case of Ludwig van Doom, he who made a preacher. Although unrelated to the Latvian von Dooms, the Transylvanian Wax Museum owner Ludwig van Doom created a wax monster that was brought to life by a lightning strike, and subsequently repelled an alien invasion. Though it was long thought to be dead, Van Doom's creature has since been spotted in New York City, on Monster Island, and in San Diego, most recently battling the Leviathan Tide. That's I never knew that, here on the VOL, this concludes our broadcast day. May Doom's terrifying face, inspire you to devotedly implement his policies, until you die. Mm-hmm.